gentlemen, welcome back to Two Guys, One Dice Cup for Season 5, Episode 1, entitled New Year, Old World. My name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I am joined once again on our fifth season by... Phil from Rash's Cairns. Yes, year number five. And, uh, and a lot's happened, an, an enormous amount has happened between our, our Christmas debrief episode and this episode, it feels like Christmas really delivered in a sense that we got everything we've always been waiting for for years. Christmas has is, is almost come twice. Yep. And if you haven't guessed, listeners, Warhammer The Old World not only had its release date announced, pre-orders went up, pre-orders have been delivered, orders have been delivered, products in store... And both myself and Phil are holding a really big, thick rule books, along with a multitude of other products. I, I am, I am almost speechless. Yes, but almost that would make for rather an interesting uh, podcast episode. Yeah, that would make for a really dull podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. so what we're going to do is we are. Um, we're going to start our coverage of the old world, which we've been patiently waiting for for, uh, for a number of years. But before we get into that, we are going to cover off on uh, what myself and Phil have been doing hobby-wise and, uh, and gaming-wise before we start oh, waxing lyrical about the old world. Too good. Yes. So, Phil, yes, you, should really, you should really kick it off, mate. What, um, what have you managed to fit in gaming-wise? Between so, December and January? Yeah, so um I haven't I think I covered yeah, I covered uh Mulligan's Jingle Bell Bowl at the la- in the last podcast episode. Uh so I attended um the first uh Scottish tournament of the year, um uh, just over a week ago now. Or was it a week ago? Fuck I think it's a week it was a week ago. Um called Reiki Bowl in Edinburgh. Uh and that's run by a guy called Lord Garlack uh on NAF, uh, a guy called David. Um I went down uh with one other person from Aberdeen, um I I called Liam, uh, his NAF name is Philby. Um and it was a, a, a kind of it was a different rule pack, you know. It wasn't like a, a classic one. There was a, a bit more open um, options for um, for buying stuff because the the TV was a bit higher. Um, it was fair game for star players. So um, I took Snotlings with uh, Morg and Hackflem. Um, and I didn't have much luck with Snotlings the last time I played them, and that was at Mulligan's last year. Um, I went zero two one with them, uh, but I just had Morg at that at that juncture. Um, Hackflam definitely makes a difference. Um, so first game was up against um, Gavin, um, and that they were run by. Um, a guy called Hugh, whose NAF name is Gardley. Uh and that was a uh it was quite end to end, uh, that one. Um he had a bit of bad luck with 
dodges on gutter runners. Um, I had some good kind of screaming and managed to come out of that one. Um, I think it was two one to me in the end. Um, it was a it was a fun game though. Um, we had uh, it was it was quite a long game. <clears throat> we we ended up playing like into into lunch because uh, there was quite a few um, quite a few dice to be rolled. Actually, there was there was a lot going on, uh, but um, it was a good game. Uh, well well fought uh, both sides that one. Um, so that put me sort of like in a good place going into round two uh, and I thought well that's me got a win I, that's usually my uh, 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 personal criteria for a tournament is uh, especially a, th- a three game one is make sure I come out of it with a win um, and I went into my second game and I was playing last year's Reiki Bowl champion uh Chris Snowden, who is Stripey Dave on the NAF. Funnily enough, I think Hugh, uh, my previous opponent in, uh, from the the round before, was the winner of the first Reiki Bowl as well. Um, so two previous Reiki Bowl winners in a row. Uh, Chris was running um, Necromantic Horror. Um, so I, I had to score earlier than I wanted to because he was chipping away at my uh, my snotlings uh, mostly just KOing them uh, fun fact, snotlings uh, are indestructible apparently uh, most, most of the tournament I barely lost any in terms of uh, numbers that I had just to note um, to the Blood Bowl listeners that is a lie Phil has lied it, it to you is, it is but, but this, uh, this the, in this context with, for me <laughs> Uh, it is true, but in, in general terms, no, they die as soon as you touch them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I Chris uh, Chris had a couple of turns to tie it up going into his drive, uh, but he tripwired uh, on the uh, the go for it, uh, and he'd had to use his rerolls and uh, tanked it uh, on the last reroll. So uh he we were going into his drive and it was one nil me um he then failed the pickup uh i threw a snotling into uh the uh the mix and landed in a good place uh picked it up on a four uh dodged made two go for it to score to go two nil up uh and then uh he uh i mean he he took it with the uh, the grace uh, uh, with definitely with grace, but uh, it it wasn't it it, it was it wasn't a great uh, great kind of sort of finish to the game because he he struggled to get a goal a touchdown. Uh, there was a lot of uh, shenanigans. I get I did get the ball off him uh, because he was having to dodge th- uh, through tackle zones to get a chance to score. Uh, but then he managed to one dice me and then pick it up and and score. So it, it finished two one as well. So I was going into the last round uh, on two wins. So I'm like, oh, that's even better. You know, I'm quite happy with that. Uh, and then I came up against, uh, I think, a fairly newer player in terms of the tournament scene. A guy called Andy, uh, who was, uh, I think his name is Hobbit Goblin. 
Um, he was running Norse, um, and uh, he did tell me fairly early on that he might have to leave uh, before the end of the game, depending on whether his lift was uh, was uh, decided that the weather was turning against us. Um, so we did finish that one um, quite quite early in the in the game, but I was already two 0 up by that point on the table. And the chances were he wasn't gonna like. It was a very very slim outside chance. He was going to. He might have pulled that back for a draw, uh, but he yeah. would have had to have wiped out my team uh, like very quickly. And I'd already started chipping away at his. So yeah, and if you had indestructible um, snortlings on that particular day, then that's, that's always going to be a problem. Which is, which which went through into that game as well. You know, like I think the worst he did. Uh, until just before we finished was uh was KO uh like a bunch of snotlings and I, I, I got them back in uh dribs and drabs and um I think I across all three games I, I didn't start a single drive with uh um less than eleven players on the pitch. That's impressive with snotlings. Um yeah, I I think and it wasn't like I was uh I mean, I wasn't giving people free hits. Most of the time, most people were just getting the one hit a turn, uh, as you'd expect. So I was dodging snotlings away from people. Um, and if you're not, if you're not uh, like obliterating them, uh, they were getting uh, stunty KOs quite quite quickly. Um, but they weren't getting casualties, so there was at least the chance of them coming back. I think the highlight of that game. Was again the second touchdown was a a thrown uh, snotling to uh, pick up a failed uh, pick up from the Norse team in a tackle zone and score again. Although I didn't need to go for it this time, I just needed the dodge. Um, and then the, my turn two, I think, or maybe it was my turn one. Actually, my bomber blew himself up. My um, fungus flinger, so <laughs> he he KO'd himself and never came back. At least they uh, have the decency to do that. Sorry. Yes, uh, but yeah, it, it was a good, it was a good run. So, like th- three wins for me, um, which is great. Like going three oh oh, I think on any other day that would have got me the tournament win. But being snotlings, I mean, it's not like I didn't suffer casualties. So I, d- I did suffer casualties across the whole the whole thing, uh, but usually too late on in the game to to do it, but. Uh, I I I was pipped uh, to first place on tiebreakers. Um, the tiebreakers were I think were net touchdowns and cash and like the guy the guy who won, uh, which was indeed uh, Philby. Uh, so a one-two for the Aberdeen crew. Um, he had uh, seven touchdowns scored for, uh, none against, and then thirteen cash for two against. Oh, yes, that's so, those are. Uh, like, those are impressive numbers in any one-day tournament for Blood yes. Bowl. and I was I was six six touchdowns, four two against, and six casualties, four seven against. So yeah, and that's um, that's a good win record for a Snotling team, and for, actually for Snotling, quite yeah, yeah, and actually quite a good casualty record as well for for yeah, Snotlings for I mean, what, they, say, what they are. I would say. Um, like Morg wasn't exactly like removing everybody either. Uh, three casualties came from trolls, uh, and three from Morg. 
So yeah. he did 50% of my casualties. As far as KOs and stuns went, I don't think he was doing as much as uh, as you would think either. Um, so uh, most of my touchdowns came from Hackflam. He got four yeah. of them. But uh, you would think in terms of the casualties, casualties caused against you, I would always expect to see a, like a minimum of three casualties caused a game against against a Scotland team every game as a yes. minimum. Um, and then if you encounter something that's got the tools, you know, if it's a like a chaos dwarf tackle mighty blow combination type thing, then it's just you know Scotland soup everywhere. Um, so no, I know you're I know you're happy with the result, a second place, and you know three wins. Uh, out of three, it's it's a good good fun way to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to what you said there, last time I played them, uh, played Snotlings, I had nine casualties for fourteen against. So I, I yeah, would be expecting fourteen's four closer to where I uh, I would expect uh, for that. So the the Snotlings not dying much was was helpful for me. So um, so yeah, finishing second place was fine. Uh, happy with that. Happy that uh, a league mate uh, got first. You know, like it was, it's good. Shows a bit of uh, intent for uh, us going forward as a as a league in terms of the quality of the players. So that, that's nice. Um, the only other gaming that I've done uh, was myself and uh, Gordon uh, GWI eighteen seventy four slash Huntley Loon. Um, were um, intent on playing some Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Um, mm-hmm. This was before we knew, we knew that uh, Old World was launching um, the in January anyway, uh, but both of us have been kind of working towards getting up and running for older stuff anyway. I'd been painting some bits and bobs, which we'll talk about in oh, what's on the table. Um, we picked up two games between... Uh, last podcast and now of fourth edition um i got to run out the chaos dwarves twice uh and he took dwarves in the first game and wood elves in the second game yep. first game was classic dwarf off it was actually quite tight in the end it, it, it wasn't uh um an easy game it looked like he was gonna uh gonna walk away with it but then uh my giant uh, uh, ally um, went apeshit and uh, obliterated a couple of units and uh, got me back points wise so um, it was better it was better than it it, it was it looked like it was going to be so and that was a really good game it was just great playing something that neither of us had played for nearly three decades each um, just uh just great playing again with that the second game though mother of god uh, <laughs> i switched up my list a little bit um and i don't think i made some i don't i didn't necessarily make some bad calls in the in the army i don't think i think uh, although chatting with gordon afterwards there's definitely a few things i could do to make it uh, more optimal um but we uh the wood elves just walked straight through me. Like um, I made a bit of a an error in terms of um, like deployment. Um, I I sort of focused. 
focused on on flanks in two areas where I probably should I could have still focused on on the flanks, but not with the the, the units that I used to do it. Or I got tied up with one flank trying to run down some war dancers with some hobgoblins on wolves. Um, and they just gave me the runaround, and I could totally have just gone soaring past them at some archers at the back and come in and harried round the back and made my life a lot easier and ignored yeah. the war dancers. On the other side, I failed a spectacularly failed an engagement with against some dryads with my uh, bull centaurs and uh, got punished for that. Um, I should have just run. I had them through the middle. Uh, giant got picked off really early uh, by some epic dice rolls of sixes to wound uh, by some archers uh, and scouts. So he 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 bit the dust. I think turn two, uh, round round two. Um, general got nailed. There was some awesome magic uh, interactions. Uh, with uh, me rebounding a spell on his wizard that uh, ended up cocooning him, and then he didn't realise that he could have dispelled it on his own on that round, and uh, forgot until his own round. It was all the game was over by then, though. So I got absolutely like trashed. Um, I think the there was a bunch of. Uh, um, uh, leadership tests early on uh, that I failed that weren't helpful. Um, but then I had a ridiculous one at the end. Uh, I think it was turn round four where my wolf riders were still fighting out this combat against the war dancers. And I had to roll a double one to not flee. And I rolled a double one. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazing. It, was just like, it was just classic kind of thing but I'd been rolling like uh, 11s and 12s and stuff like that on leadership tests uh, up until that point really uh, so every time someone went down it like, stuff was running off um, I think uh, it was just it was a, it was a tough game um, and there's loads of things I would do differently given a, a second run at it so we'll hopefully have another one uh, fairly soon. But that was Warhammer. Win, uh, that was Warhammer War. Fantasy Fourth Edition. Fourth Edition, yes. And what points level were you playing at? Two thousand. Two thousand points. points. Yeah. Um, we'll probably go up to two and a half um, next time we play. Um, there's a few things, uh, a few other things I want to try in in the list. Um, I haven't taken blunderbusses yet, um, so I want to get them in there. Um, I've been kind of focused on having the um, uh, the sorcerer on Lamassu, which I'm I'm gonna have anyway. But I haven't uh, been running any uh, mount for the general, uh, so I need to get my uh, great Taurus uh, based up at least, so I could use him. Um, as well, because that 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 that'd be a useful one to have uh, the tag team flyers and stuff. Uh, but yeah, great great experience just playing it again. Um, um, I I'm a bit I'm I'm less uh, 
I've played a lot less of the kind of army style games uh, than than Gordon as well. So he's a much better, I'd say, a, a much better tactician than I am uh, yep. from experience. Uh, so it's just yeah, it's good playing against him, seeing what he does. Uh, that, that's that's a, a a benefit to playing. How about yourself? Have you played anything? Nothing at all, mate. My um, my time has been spent in other other areas, which I can talk about in the in the next section, which is what's on the table. What is on the table, Al? So for what's on the table, the painting and hobby inside has been my primary focus over the festive season, and I'm not sure if that was by design, but it is just that is just what has happened. Um, so previously, I was talking about a new uh, bolt action army. Um, bolt action, for listeners that are not aware, is a World War Two 28 millimeter game produced by Warlord Games. It's, it's a game I'm quite passionate about, and. Uh, I've started a new Japanese army, so I, I can't remember what stage I was at last time we spoke, but I feel like in the time between then and now, I have blocked in the colours of at least 40 miniatures. and That's good. Yeah, and then I've, I've started to take them in groups of five to do sort of the, the highlighting and the, the bringing them to life process. Um, so from that 40, I've got uh, 15 fully painted. Um, I just need to do the detailing on their bases and stuff to you know, bring the you know, jungle, beach, whatever, whatever sort of theme I want to give them, um, which I haven't decided yet. I really should get on with that. It'll be the jungle, it's the Pacific. There's no real other way to go with them, sadly, or for, for them to not look correct. Um, so I'm really happy with how that's transpiring because I made that promise at the end of last year that <coughs> excuse me, I wanted to give myself a new a new bolt action army and not just a new army for like a nation that I already correct, collect like the Germans or the, the Soviets or the or um who else is on that shelf? Anyway, whoever they are, Americans. So Japan is an army I've never had before, so it's all new models, never painted them, etc. etc. So that's been really enjoyable. Yeah. I Stumbled into a commission. Um, I've, I've, towards the end of last year, maybe like the second half of last year, I scaled back my commission painting quite a bit to the point where I had nothing on the table, and that was by design. And I stumbled into a, a commission to do four uh, German bolt action vehicles, and the guy was wanting them done in a winter camouflage scheme. And he'd actually done one of those posts up on social media to say, you know, hey, look, I've got these models. I want somebody to paint them. I want them done, you know, in a winter camouflage style. Who does it? And it was a, somebody had linked my painting services on there, um, which was very kind of them. I don't remember who it was that did it, but somebody did. Uh, and it was actually somebody outside of Scotland, which was even nicer. And so the guy got in touch. We talked terms. Um, and so I, I picked up that commission, which is great. So as it currently stands, it is uh, two tanks, a half-track, armoured car, armoured um, transport, and a truck. And they are... God, what stage are they at? They're like 85% done. They're almost... They'll, they'll be getting sent out the door next week. 
So that's a, a, a sort of two and a half, three week turnaround time for them, which which was only limited because we had some really, really bad weather in Scotland. And part of the part of the process I do to do the, the winter weathering requires the use of um, spray can varnish and hairspray, which sounds so dumb. I'm doing a painting guide for it so people will be able to read why I use ladies' hairspray, um, you know, in the, in, in the future. But because of the weather, it was either, you know, really windy, really cold, really wet. I couldn't get outside to, to spray these. So I'm really happy with the progress. Uh, and that also, sorry, that, that commission also included the construction of them. So I've also built, you know, four plastic kits. Uh, and then on top of that, I needed to do stuff for myself. And I've got a tank and an artillery piece. Also for my, my own Germans in the same winter camouflage scheme. Um, except that mine are, my own are slightly different to what this guy's getting. But they'd also sit in at 85%, so I should have them done by next week. Um, so it's, it's really been really productive uh, on the hobby table, and I've been really enjoying the the different processes I've been using. And I got to use my new, um, what do you call it, compressor for my airbrush. It's awesome. Oh yeah, I remember you saying you'd bought a new one. Yeah, um... so... So the, the new one, I, the previous one I got was just the compressor itself. The new one, I've, I've been promised myself to get one for years, but it's got the uh, air storage tank so yeah. that the compressor pumps the air, fills the tank up so that you get a constant flow of air at the same PSI. It's not, it's not the compressor trying to keep up with it. Um, works an absolute treat, but I had forgotten... And I knew it was coming, but I'd forgotten that, you know, the compressor eventually turns itself off. It fills the tank up, turns itself off. You're brushing away, brushing away. And then at some point when the tank starts to get low, it triggers itself. The first time it did that, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, so no, it was really cool to see the, you know, the compressor working, um, you know, working at capacity. Um, no, I'm really, really enjoying the, the hobby side of things at the moment, so... I'll have a lot of stuff uh, getting to completion, and it's stuff that is of good painting quality. Because I know that was a big thing I, I admonished myself about last year was that I painted a lot, but the quality was low. Whereas this year I'm doing, you know, good quality or better. And that's that's me. That's the painting side. I should say though, and I'll talk about it again in the next episode. I have taken on another commission, except this one is big. Oh. Yep. Bad man. That sounds good. Yep. But anyway, so that's that's my hobby side, mate. It's been really good. What about yours? So, for me, I, mean, I, I took it fairly easy on the hobby front um, over um, Christmas and New Year. Like, I, I finished my um last commission i think it was mid november no mid december mid december sorry um and uh that was fine for me you know like i i was happy kind of getting that tied up and i'd planned to start the new one uh in 
uh, mid-January, so I have done that. Uh, I've started uh, on a um, sort of multi-theme commission for for Sunday, uh, doing Skaven, Underworld and Goblin uh, theme. Um, it's Grebo uh, Miniatures 1 from their more recent Kickstarter. Uh, so that's on the table just now. I think I'm at a point where I've got like, the bulk of colours blocked in on most. I think I'm focusing on a particular team. I, w- I won't say just in case he's uh, he's wanting to keep it under wraps, uh, but uh, with a, um, a view to delivering it at Mulligan's in March, and then he'll get the rest uh, after that. So... That one's going fine. As far as personal stuff goes, uh, I can't remember if I'd done the Hobgoblins last time we spoke. Um, Doesn't sound familiar. So, I painted ten, um, I think between Christmas and New Year, yeah, between Christmas and New Year, uh, and I just before Christmas and New Year, I painted um, a group of hobgoblins that I got, um, uh, Throgs despoiling hobgoblins of the Darklands from regiments of renown, like back in the eighties. So I painted them up uh, so I could use them in fantasy. Um, and then I also, um, before I started the commission um, in mid January, I painted up another five. Um, Chaos Dwarves, Marauder Miniatures Chaos Dwarves for my uh, group of Chaos Dwarves and five old school miniatures, uh, Boar Centaurs to run as Bull Centaurs. So they they got based up uh, on Saturday. I like finished off and based up on Saturday just yesterday. Uh, or was it Friday night? Who it was Friday. Uh, because I had the game on Saturday, and then I played Gordon with them on on Saturday. So they they've been they've been sort of kicking around for a while, just needing finished off. Uh, but I think that's the majority of my painting. Um, <coughs> I've I've done quite a bit. Uh, but I did have I did have some time off commissions and uh, busman's holiday. The uh, uh, the actual painting for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my time off, and like I'm in a decent place with commissions with myself as well. I'm actually booked out till the middle of the year um, already, yeah. um, which is fine. Nice to know I've got things coming in and and ready to kind of move on to. Yeah, well, I think with my with my commission mark, if if I can get this big project at pace, I'll be done by end of April. My feet will be clear by end of April. Um, yeah. And I, I think if I enjoy this big this big project, I will probably be um, on the hunt for a few more um, just to see me yeah. through. Just chase some chase some dollars this year. Um, so I think get some money so I can spend it. <gasps> Segway spending money now. This is one of our favourite moments in the podcast, and long term listeners will know what this section is. But new listeners, and welcome, uh, myself and Phil have a, a long-running reputation of spending too much money on the hobby, and we 
let it degenerate into a game each month where we try and guess how much the other one has spent. And because uh, we we very firmly believe that money spent on the hobby is happiness. You you can buy yes. happiness. And we want to know how much happiness that you've bought. And myself and Phil, we run different chat groups and stuff and we leave each other little breadcrumbs to give ourselves clues as to what we've bought. But I think this month this month might be pretty easy to get to guess what we spent money on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we'll both be able to um, to work out what we've actually uh, um, yeah. bought between the two of us. Yep. So, do you do you want to hazard a guess first? Um, you only get three guesses, of course. So it, it all depends on how much you've bought of the old world stuff. Uh, well, I told you. I told you. Sure you, you saw my entire pre-order. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure, well, it's whether you picked up other stuff around it, though. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll let you into a sad secret. I didn't get everything from a pre-order, sadly. Right. Okay. I actually can't remember what you pre-ordered. I think you I think you pre-ordered the book, the, the rule book, uh, both uh, the Ravenon Hordes and Force of Fantasy books. And we just as, sort of you casually mentioned that you'd ordered the Bretonian Arcane Journal as well. So it's how much that they cost you. I'm guessing probably around about the same as mine. Um, I think you're probably going to be sitting around about 120 pounds. Higher. Higher. Yep. Hundred and forty five pounds. I will give you it there on your second guess. Okay. It was a uh, hundred and forty seven pounds eighty four. <laughs> so happiness that was bought. Awesome. You did mention I bought um the hardback the hardback book, so the old world rulebook, which is a fantastic yes. three hundred and fifty pages of goodness. Um, yes. Then the Forces of Fantasy, which, you know, for listeners that are not familiar with it, that's another um, hardback book uh, for the old world, and it contains the army lists for the the good guys, essentially. So Dwarfs, Empire, uh, Bretonians, Woodies, and High Elves. I also picked up the Ravening Hordes book, which is essentially the book with the bad guys. I... Um, then also got the Bretonian Army book, which which is so dumb that I forgot to pick it up when I was collecting my pre-order from my uh, friendly local gaming store, which is Common Ground Games in Stirling. I also managed to snatch up a set of the Bretonian dice, which is pretty cool. I was happy to get them. And then, Phil, I think you forgot, I mentioned that I bought two fighting fantasy novels. That's right. I, I knew there was. I knew there was something in there that wasn't connected to um, yeah. uh, to the old world. So for for listeners, you know, the the us for a few years, myself and film, or maybe more so me. I really loved the old fighting fantasy novels by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, and we've got a few episodes where we cover off what they are and etc. But I mean, I wasn't aware that. You know, it was their 40th anniversary last year, which is 
when we did the podcast, but we, you know, we didn't know. I didn't know it was the 40th anniversary, but they actually released new books for the 40th anniversary. Yeah, not not previously. Actually, brand new written books. So I didn't know that. So that pissed me off. <laughs> so I'm on a quest now to pick them all up. <laughs> so I picked up uh, Shadow of the Giants and uh, right. Secrets of Salamonis. So they come in, they're, they're slightly bigger format book. Um, they've got nice fancy gold spines, but now I'm on this quest to find all these other books that I, I, I don't have. It's crazy. So it was okay. cool to get those. Um, and I'm just keeping my eye, eye out for more. Um, I've had to actually write down somewhere what, what the new ones are, because I'm used to being able to sort of look at the cover and go, do I have it, yes or no? So how, how many did you say they'd released? I, I actually can't remember. I think there's like eight new original books that came out. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, completely passed me by that one. Totally passed me by, but I am now on the hunt for them. But um, they can be... I think those, those new release ones are reasonably priced for a novel, but, you know, the... Our, our audience know that some of the some of the original books are um, expensive, shall we say? So, yes, yeah, watch watch this space. Yeah, Alistair, Alistair talks about taking on more commissions to get the money. All of a sudden, fighting fantasy novels are <laughs> falling from the sky. It's like fuck. Jesus. So, Amazing. but that leads me to you guessing for you. Yep, I'm I'm going to roll the dice on 137 pounds. Oh, that, that's actually not that far. Not that far off. Um, I'm, are you going to give me it in one guess, or no? No, you're, you've still got a bit to to work on with that. Okay, I'm going to go lower then. 131. Uh, lower. Yeah. So you are you were around the 124 pounds mark. Uh, just a little bit higher. 127 pounds 40. Brilliant. And what happiness did that buy you, Phil? So I got the Old World rulebook, um, which I got a, a reasonable deal because Gordon bought pretty much everything uh, and ended up with multiple rulebooks. So I, I snagged one off him for quite a bit cheaper than retail. Um, and then um, I got the Ravenin Hordes and um, for Forces of Fantasy books. Um, and I bought some uh, of the generic Old World dice. I didn't bother going down the Tomb King or um, uh, Bretonian specific dice uh, with that. Um, so I, um, that that was that was my lot for for the Old World. I didn't really kind of go down a rabbit hole in that, and I think almost everybody who was involved. Uh, in the pre-order will have known it was an absolute sort of shit show trying to get stuff and I know there's a lot of people out there who still haven't got uh, their stuff that they pre-ordered with Games Workshop never mind uh, um, third parties Um, I had four tabs open with individual stores uh, Games Workshop Element, uh, Dark Sphere, and Goblin Gaming. Um, 
I was in the biggest queue you could possibly imagine, despite having been logged in to, to get on the queue since, I think it was about half past eight, um, uh, on the Games Workshop site. Uh, I uh, was chewing like several hours to get to the front of the queue uh, to get into this, the, the actual site itself. And then uh, Element weren't getting anything that they were putting up online. Dark Sphere got like next to nothing as well. And I just lucked out and got like in on the Goblin Game and stuff before um, their stock was gone like literally seconds after I, I ordered my stuff. Um, although I did have an issue with actually getting my, the stuff I got from them in the, the, uh, the Games Workshop didn't get the delivery to them on in time for launch day, um, which was last Saturday. But the stuff, to, to Goblin Gaming's credit, the stuff turned up on the Sunday and they 24-hour Royal Mailed it and I got it on Tuesday or whenever it was. So... Um, it, it was fine. I don't mind uh, a couple of days delay on that. Um, and the only other thing I bought was somebody put up some Plague Bearers, the old ones, the Realm of Chaos era ones, um, on one of the old Hammer Facebook groups, and I grabbed four of them. I would have had more of them, but... Uh, somebody else nipped in uh, and got a couple of the, the other ones um, before I had a chance to, um, which was a shame. But uh, but yeah, I got I got I got enough <laughs> enough plague bearers. But that that was it. That that was it. Purchases wise for me, and it did awesome. buy me happiness. I'm very glad that happiness was a change achieved for you, mate. Yes. Very happy. I think I think we both managed to get a decent haul out of the last uh, last like month. Um, well, it's something that we've been waiting a long time for. As have either. you know, as as have a, a lot of the community. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And and you know, even ourselves. I remember when we first started this podcast, it was always something that was a you know very 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 much sort of in the back of our mind you know far in the future then all of a sudden you know christmas into new year it's like it is we've all got these you know cool sort of um dark turquoise spined books uh you know we're very much into the the big section now where we're going to start talking about the old world but you know even just picking up the books and reading the history of the old world again um, you know how it came into creation, the you know the arrival of the old the the, the slan, and you know the relationships between all the different races. Just reading that history again just brought everything more alive. Again, um, for me, which which was really just you know I I don't think I played I only played sort of like uh, third, fourth, and fifth edition fantasy before I sort of wandered off into other 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 gaming directions. Um but it was still something that very much was you know where I wanted to where I wanted to be 
what about you? What was your your impressions of, of it? Um, what in terms of in what context? Sorry, uh, oh, just of... just when you when you picked up that rule book for the first time, when you got yeah, to start reading it. So I think for me with that, it was very much a case of um like everything's kind of come full circle a little bit because i've been like long-term listeners of the podcast will know i've been buying um multitudes of old hammer books as well um and third edition was very much my entry uh played a bit of fourth before i i got out of the hobby uh but really, I'd, I hadn't really kind of had uh, much exposure uh, to fantasy um, because I missed the end times. Yeah. Uh, and the only kind of fantasy game I'd been playing up until recently was Age of Sigmar, which, which is a good game. Um, mm-hmm. Completely different from fantasy, obviously, but um, is is a good game. Uh, so for me, like picking up that book, it was like, right, okay, uh, I've I've waited subconsciously. I've waited a long time for this, um, but I've been really kind of been building myself up to it for the past. I think it must have been was it? It was during lockdown for COVID nineteen, uh, which which is fucking ages ago now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like ages ago, but it was ages ago. It was ages ago. Um, um, I think I started my old hammer journey properly then. Um, so that'd be nearly four years ago now. Yep. Um, and it just feels like a culmination of all that. Um, yeah. has come to fruition. It, it really it's, does. It's, it's a good feeling. Good feeling. What I what I like most about it, and I think listeners, you know, that are interested in the old world, you know, obviously will may or may not agree with me here, but. I like the way that Games Workshop have approached this in terms of the products and how they've released them. So releasing a, a main rulebook, standalone, you know, you can pick it up as a separate product. Then because, you know, there's, there are so many armies available, having a, another two additional books be in the Forces of Fantasy for the good guys and the Ravening Hordes for the bad guys. So... Mm-hmm. Whatever side of the fence you fall on, you then just pick up one more book and your army is good to go, ready to play. And then if you want to do a deeper dive into, you know, your particular army, be it, you know, Plutonians, Wood Elves, um, <coughs> Undead, sorry, um, Chaos, etc. They'll then release yeah. the Arcane Journals, which provide more historical flavour and fluff. But you, you, but you, to, to play the army, you don't need to go that far down the rabbit hole for them. And then also on, oh no, it wasn't on release day, it was, it was like two or three days later, but still within good timing, in my opinion, they released the um, the PDFs to cover the races that aren't going to get published um, books. Yes. So that, so that everybody, within five days of release, everybody can use their old models. And the yes. old armies again. I think that was really well done. 
and and also to you know the old world isn't a entry level game for Games Workshop like it used to be Warhammer Fantasy back in the past when they had those big starter sets you know that came with you know good guy army bad guy army the red wacky sticks you know depending on the edition maybe some cardboard cow monsters rule books magic cards all of this stuff so you could pick it you could buy it go home play with your pals they never did that with this because as i said it's not an entry-level game for them um but they, they came out with two army boxes one for the Bretonians, one for the Tomb Kings, and then they packed it full of, you know, okay, again, people will get upset, but they, you know, miniatures that are, you know, a little bit old, but they're still, you know, they're still good models. Um, so I think that approach for, for releasing a game was uh, really well done, and I, I was happy with it. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess... There are some things I can see people being uh, annoyed about. Um, like, I mean, obviously, like the pre-order system's just a, a shambles. You know, I, I think they've got a good having a queue's not a bad thing. Um, anything that can potentially stop scalpers from getting their hands on loads of stuff is is helpful. Um, and then artificially inflating prices, but. Um, They've clearly either underestimated how much interest there would be in it, which which is not necessarily a bad thing from a business sense, uh, because you don't want to be left with fucking heaps of stock that you can't sell. Um, but the same, uh, by the same token, like it was a lot. Almost everything was out of stock within like two or three hours everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was only a few things kicking about that weren't um, the box sets. Um, I think these they've said that the, these are the only two that will inc- include the rules um, because uh, when they mentioned the uh, the orc one, uh, the, they made it clear that you weren't getting a rule book with that. It was just like a an army box, like a a battle box, not a battle box thing, an army box. Um, so you weren't getting the rules of the dice and uh, the whippy sticks and everything like that. Um, so I think it, it's weird. It's weird that they've kind of gone down that route. Uh, I would have maybe just sort of not bothered putting the rule books myself in the uh, the Tomb Kings and Bretonians one. Um, I just kind of pushed people into buying them separately and brought the boxes of the, uh, the price of those boxes down a little bit um the old models I, I personally that doesn't bother me at all um there's some cracking new models available uh, now uh which is great just seeing new models for fantasy is good yeah uh i i love the made, made to order stuff that they're doing they're doing loads of stuff and um they're bringing back some really good good models in the Orc and Goblin one. Um, That's, that was something else that, yeah, is, is really worthy of mention. Um, the made to order the scope of what they're, what they're going to deliver. Yeah, I mean, they found they found unreleased models as well. I mean, they, it got absolutely hammered on the internet uh, 
Um, I don't think the paint job did it much. Uh, uh, is this the freaky looking Bretonian lord? Yes, yes, the one that looks like uh, he's had uh, really bad uh, Botox. He's yeah. been uh, Sylvester Stallone's mum's uh, plastic surgeon. Yeah. Um, I, I do think a lot of that is uh, is paint job as well, though. But uh, it's quite clearly a, a face of its time. Um, there, there were better faces sculpted back in those days. But it's nice to see stuff that isn't like known or well known making its way to the to the store. Um, it's also good to see them releasing some of the awkward kits bulk wise in resin versus uh I forge world resin as opposed to fine cast resin. Um uh the ones that were in metal that were really ba- badly fit together, like I think that the the trebuchet um uh, one of those that oh, didn't Oh yeah the trebuchet properly. that was a that was a red hot nightmare. And they've uh, got round that by re-sculpting a load of things, making sure they've kind of uh, the fits are better, which, which is brilliant. It's attention to detail and stuff like that. It's really nice. Uh, and I, I did see as well because they're bringing back the casket of souls uh, as on one of the made-to-order things. Um, in fact, I don't know whether that's made-to-order or standard release, but I know they've re-sculpted the. Uh, some bits on that, and they've actually added an internal part to the the casket that wasn't there now. So if you if you want to leave the lid off a little bit, there's a bit inside the box uh, that's been sculpted in. So it's got yep. like uh, ghosties in it, uh, w- which is nice. I mean, stuff like that's that that's good. You know, I I like all that. I think they've they've the release has been fifty fifty in terms of. Uh, not enough models, not enough books, not enough stuff to meet demand, uh, uh, but promising in that what has been released has been really good. Yep. Like ev- everything's been good. I don't think the prices are outlandish either. You know, when you start thinking about what's in some of the boxes, um, like, um, what would be 175 for the Tomb Kings one? Um, that's that's not bad considering what's in it. Yeah, I I genuinely never looked at the army boxes because it was never my intention to purchase miniatures. No, I mean um, I I was very much in the camp that I would. I think we've discussed this before. But I, I'm not intending on buying masses and masses of stuff uh, miniatures wise because I've got I've got an army. I'll pick up things here and there. Um, and some of this stuff isn't from an era that I'm. A massive fan of like a lot of the stuff is coming in at sort of fifth edition or no sorry sixth edition onwards um where i i've got aesthetically i've got less of an interest in not that there's not a couple of models in there that i don't like yeah. um because there are but i mean look at it some of the price there like the made to order tomb kings uh either tomb king with sword and shield and the one with the great weapon are coming in at nine pounds each uh, which is quite quite good. The books weren't overly expensive either. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't begrudge paying like thirty quid for a, a 
really nice hardback book uh, for the Ravenon Hordes ones. Uh, what was it, forty something for the uh, the main rule book is is nice as well. You know, it, it's a. It, I mean, you could kill somebody with that thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. They're good quality books. Um, you know, they come with everything that you know gamers like. You know, good contents page, and uh, you know the rule book's got an index, which God. Yes. So many, you know, games come out and there's no index in the rulebook. It just drives you crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's the um, digital versions are good as well. They've got uh, PDF versions with hot links in them. Uh, so you can jump backwards and forwards to relevant pages uh, on them. Um, and I mean, where that kind of runs in quite cool. Um, so to give you an example, a quick one. So in the orc bosses entry uh, in the Ravenon Hordes, um, it says maybe mounted, and it goes to uh, there's a hot link on uh, C page nineteen, and it literally takes you to what what it can be mounted on. And if it's not on that page in terms of the profile of it, it's also got a C page X, and you can click on that, and it takes you to the profile of the thing. Uh, so the good. PDFs are quite usable as well, um, uh, which is, like I say, which is nice uh, in terms of: do I really want to carry a massive book around, or do I want to carry, um, um, like a. Uh, an iPad or something like that yeah. with a PDF. Uh, I'll, take a, uh, I'll take a page out of you know what you've just discussed though is that the rulebook can do physical harm. I'm a big fan of having something close at hand if if things get out of hand at the gaming table. <laughs> yeah, I I, I like uh, I like a good chunky book. You know, like I'm, I'm a massive fan of these big rulebooks. Uh, yeah, that's why I chase down the, like uh, the reprints of the Realm of Chaos books because they are meaty tomes. And this this rulebook's exactly the same sort of thing. It knocks the sixth edition one out of the water. I think that was the the biggest. That's the other biggest one that I've got in terms of like page numbers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it like these. Uh, I think the whole thing's been been good, and it's been good seeing like the majority of, of response online has been good. You know, like. There has been the whinges about um, availability. There has been the whinges about uh, uh, old models versus uh, not brand new stuff. But I mean, they were quite clear about what they were doing early on. There was people getting unreasonably upset about the fact that the PDF factions aren't going to be getting model releases and stuff like that anytime soon, or uh, they won't be getting support past the them chucking the PDFs out. And they were. Uh, to GW's credit, they were quite clear early on that what you uh, it was a what you see is what you get. You know, like this is what you're getting. Uh, you're not getting any more than that. Um, and that that is fine. Like I didn't have any issue with that at all. Uh, no, personally, no. I've um, I've been very happy with what's being what's being presented to me as a consumer. Um, I was thinking, Phil, should we talk a little bit? For the audience to to let them know how we're going to be talking about the old world moving forward, because you know so much of the past has been you know a, a good focus on Blood Bowl, which we're still going to continue to cover because it's a game that we both play. 
but we've been sort of going off in different directions with our with our podcast content and the the old world is another I guess pathway that we're going to trade a lot more often. I just wondered, is it time now to discuss sort of how we're going to present that? Yeah, yeah, I think a quick overview of what our intentions are in the old world is uh, probably a, a good thing to do. Yeah, because um, what we've, what myself and Phil have done in the past, which we've enjoyed, is uh, especially with Blood Bowl, is when we focus upon one particular race or team. And we discuss the ins and outs of that race and what they can and can't do on the Blood Bowl pitch. And, you know, we, we both present uh, rosters and talk about how they can win, lose, etc. So we thought, moving forward, that we would do a section covering um, covering each race. Can you call them that? Race? Each army? I hate you call them an army. Faction. 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 Let's go uh, with faction. Go with faction. So each faction, and on that particular section in an episode, we'll do an overview of who they are, why they are, what their motivations in life are, and um, the sort of the pros and cons of an army. And then, if we're feeling really motivated, uh, myself and Phil will talk you through an army list uh, that we'll have written up ourselves. How motivated are you feeling now that you've heard it? Well, I, I would definitely pull together army lists for things. Now, yep. fair warning, I'm not an overly competitive gamer when it comes to this sort of game. Uh, so uh, most of my lists will likely be fairly fluffy and uh, and less uh, about the synergies and stuff. Like that. I might look into some of that, but like I, I can see we'd be in a bit more. Yeah. Uh, what how what what fits this thematically? Uh, and try and play something I would find fun as opposed to yep. having to wipe the floor with you and your your force kind of thing. No, I think I will take the same approach. I look at the old world as a game that I might only play, you know, half a dozen to a dozen games a year, and it'll only be between friends. Yes. This isn't something that I'm going to, you know, be aggressively chasing that meta or crunching the statistic numbers to get the, the optimum army. That'll be something that's hobby-focused for enjoyment and fun. I mean, not saying that there's not going to be some punchy units and combos in there, but you, know, you, you don't want to turn up to a table just to automatically lose, but it's not going to be fine-tuning like, um, like some players can do. And those players are happy to hear their feedback as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um... I I accept wholeheartedly that uh, that it's uh, different uh, strokes for different folks here. You know, like uh, there's definitely a competitive scene for this uh, brewing already. You know, there's there's events kind of in the calendar for things, and people have that sort of context. And it'll be good to hear from people what their uh, their thoughts on those sorts of lists are. Um, even though we are not necessarily you and I, uh, not necessarily that sort of game uh, gameplay uh, focus. So yeah, I, I'm the same as, as you, Al. I'll be playing games, um, hopefully at least monthly, with uh, with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd like to think I would get into double figures uh, this year with games. Uh, if yeah. not, uh, it'll be close to it. 
something else I think we'll do maybe for the first handful of episodes is um, you know swing our focus and look at the different phases of what makes up a game of the old world because yeah. a, a lot of our a lot of our audience might not be familiar with or as familiar with you know the the, the square base battle games um, that we are. And so talking a little bit about movement phase, magic phase, combat phases, and just things that uh, listeners, uh, sorry, things that, you know, as gamers you should be more aware of, you know, things to think about maybe when you're putting your army together, how you can best take advantage of, of you know, things that are, that, that your faction are more inclined to do. You know, you don't see dwarves doing being hugely mobile but you do see them carrying lots of tools um, and then on the flip side uh, an army like wood elves very mobile highly magical you know those are some pretty broad brush strokes but it would be good to um to do that as well i feel yeah absolutely i think there's there's a lot of scope for looking at individual things um focusing on phases like you say and um there there's some there's some really good uh just through my kind of brief uh reading of of the rule book and the t- short time i've had it um uh there's some really nice uh changes to phases and things like that that, that are uh, that work or look, certainly look on paper like they work really well and from the few battle reports and stuff i've watched in uh, youtube the game seems to flow um quite quite nicely without being overly taxing um i think the only kind of uh really drawback i can see is and it's just a, a facet of, of learning a, a new game system again is all the special rules, yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a that's a, an issue long term. I think that'd be so, that'll be something that folk will get their heads round. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping I'll get my head round once I start playing my own factions more regularly. What being aware of what my ones do a lot a lot more um, will speed things up. But yeah, it, it, I, I I think we've got a lot of scope for chatting about different things and I'm quite excited about it. Good. Really good. Are you I should ask, I know you've you've spoken about your Chaos Dwarfs. They are very much a sort of legacy PDF um yes. army. Are you gonna be picking one from the call it the current range or the act the active range of armies? Yeah so yeah so I've got multiple options I can sort of work around with that you know like I've got um I've got a, a fair amount of uh of chaos stuff old timer chaos stuff that I can lean on um and I've also got a fair amount of uh, orcs and goblin stuff as well yep so I I could go down either of those routes uh, I could also go down Beastmen as well. Um, so I'm I'm not sure yet. Um, <clears throat> I, I could also go down the Tomb Kings route too, because uh, I've got um, uh, a full Tomb Kings army of uh, 
or access to a full two kings army to 3d print as well uh one that i sell uh in the granite miniatures web store as well um so um I, i've got loads of options of things i could go down the thing that will st stop me from doing anything a very great note is time to paint um, yeah <laughs> I, may well playing, I may well be playing another faction unpainted which is not it's not great but uh um like but my main focus is always going to be trying trying to get games with the chaos dwarves um but yeah i would it'll i'm sure it'll come to a point where it's it'll be difficult to play um balanced games against the 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 kind of arcane journal creep i think is what we'll have to call it a journal creep uh it'll just be difficult to play against games once people have got more options for uh army specific things and then the le legacy ones are, are maybe going to get left behind a little bit although having yeah. my brief looks through the legacy stuff like certainly the chaos dwarf list's not a slouch i, I just won't have any named characters unless they uh, <laughs> change their mind for the uh, in the future yep. um so yeah uh, how about yourself you, i know you want to play bretonians yeah so bretonians uh, they're going to be very much a, a 3d printed army from the uh boss kingdoms uh, kingdoms of mercy i think yes. don't criticize me for not having already printed it i feel silly for not having already done it we'll get there as a as a team um I have always had, for a long time, a facet. Like in the past, sorry, I should say, my Warhammer fantasy background has been High Elves and Goblins. Uh, yeah. Those were the two armies I enjoyed the most. Especially, I did a deep dive on the Goblins, um, you know, Night Goblins, and they came out with a lot of the sort of subspecies of Goblins. There was the Dust Goblins, Fire Kobolds. Um, I really leaned into that, that, that sort of part of it. And especially when the the bulk of my fantasy gaming came around the Storm of Chaos campaign and the Albion campaigns, those were the, those those are the sort of linchpins of my Warhammer fantasy background. But there was always a fascination with um, with two other armies. Oh, sorry, the reason I want to do the Bretonians is purely for painting. I just want the pleasure of painting lots of bright colours heraldry, lots of, you know, high-level fantasy detail. They're a painting project. That's what I want. I've had a fascination with two other factions. Uh, the Undead. So, you know, they're a legacy PDF. And it is very much sort of necromancers and skeletons. With a, with a hint of vampire that I've always been drawn to. That sort of, you know sort of horror, you know, hammer horror graveyard style army. That seems to be another painting project I want, but it was around the Storm of Chaos time and I got distracted. It was so long ago, I can't remember what distracted me. But I promised myself uh, a Beastman Brayherd's army. But yeah. it was always going to revolve around um, chariots. With the bulk of it being, okay. you know, mounted and fast moving. And I've only cast my eye briefly over the, the Brayherd list. And um, 
Razor Gore here uh, and Tusker Tusker Chariots are core. So I could fill my core choices with with chariots. And that's that's yeah. not even trying to work out, you know, are they any good? I'm not we're not thinking about good. I'm thinking about public's fucking cool. Well, yeah, I I think that's it. You know, like uh, both you and I seem to be sort of fairly sort of thematic uh, sort of list builders uh, mm -hmm. anyway. Um, like I I'm I look at what I've got. So I, Beastmen are another one I, I I do fancy myself, and you know, like I've got um, like a twenty strong unit of uh, unpainted, of course, uh, Pestigors. Uh, that I would quite happily be able to run as uh, um, what are they fucking what are they called um, balls that's gone right out of my head now. Um, uh, shit. <laughs> I, I'll 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 find it out. I'll find out in a second. I I've just remembered as well the other reason I wanted to do a beastman army, and I was a. Uh, I remember quite clearly when this new monstrous unit came out and uh, I was living and working in Australia at the time and we absolutely pissed ourselves lagging, laughing. It's the Dragon Ogre Shagoth. Yes. He Dragon is an absolute fucking beast. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of drunken nights where, you know, if we were discussing army lists for tournaments or trying to come up with new ideas and it's like nah mate just fucking put a shagoth in there he'll sort it out shagoths were everywhere and it would be you know I painted up three or four of these things for different people and conversions into 40k demon princes and stuff like that but never ever had one for myself so that yeah. would be something I'd keep an eye on if they do a re-release of the shagoth I am all over that bad boy he's all wicked oh I, th I think I think the shagoth um so, is he not still available? I haven't even looked. Um, I, I think he might be, actually. Yes, he is. So you could still get him already. Um, I think I think the model is in Finecast now. Mm. I don't think it's in um, oh, I'm not doing Finecast, that's bad. Uh, but yeah, you could probably pick one up online for uh, in metal. Um let me see. Is he in? Are you doing some mid podcast? Oh, yeah. eight, 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 eight resin components. So yeah, it will be fine. Cast resin. It's there's not. It's not a Forge World resin that one. Yep. Um. It. I mean, like I. I've got. So I've got the uh, DS two uh, Dragon Ogre. Uh, so from ages ago. I think it was DS2, not DS1. Might be DS1. Pass. I am literally balls deep in uh, at the internet right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, DS2 Dragon Ogre, sculpted by <laughs> the movie, came out in 1987. So I, I've got one of them. Yep. Um, and I plan... I'm contemplating picking up two of the... the there's a, a company um, out of... I think they're out of Alaska, actually, uh, who've d done two fan-made models that are of the same ilk as that one. 
Um, and they are going to be, uh, they're on pre-order at the moment. Um, uh, so I might actually, they might be a purchase for me next next month. Um, uh, getting them on pre-order because they, they look pretty damn cool. Um, now, I've just become aware of what we're doing mid-podcast. We are talking about purchases, army lists, favourite units, and we're getting, I think, I don't know if we're off track or if we were ever on track. But that's how passionate we are about the old world. I love it. Yes. Um, so so yeah, I, 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 going back to what I, how I couldn't remember what what uh, Beastman unit it was. It's be- Bestigors. I would run uh, the Bestigors as Bestigors, funnily yep. enough. Um, and then I've got uh, I've got plenty of Beastmen uh, from the old Marauder range to run as Gores. I've got Dragon Ogre. I've got um, Minotaur. So I've I've got stuff kicking about. Uh, yeah. I I initially thought you were going to say um, the Jabber Slythe, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, uh, or or the cockatrice, uh, but but no, I I, I I get what you mean about the Shagoth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, no, I, there's I also think... there's also a half thought about Warriors of Chaos Army, but. It would only be if I could um, spoke spoken in previous podcasts about the Age of Sigmar um, Warriors of Chaos models that came out. Yeah, and I I love them, love them the bits. Um, I need to do a look to see if they can be converted onto. You can definitely these. get them on the thirty inch bases. Thirty mil bases. Um. 30, 30 inch base, yeah, you can definitely get them with 30 inch. You can definitely get them with 30 mil bases. Um, so, because uh, I've seen folk doing it already. Um, yeah, well, again, if, that, if that's the case, then that's probably going to be my more cost effective army. Yeah. To get a, a really, got... Hi. really tight Warriors of Chaos army. I've got more than sorry, enough. For... Sorry, there you go. I was just going to say it would be that um, low miniature count, high points value style of army. Yeah. What well, I I was going to say, I've, I've got more than enough for the chaos uh, side of things as well. You know, like I've got loads of uh, Nurgle chaos warriors and uh, knights and um, dragon. All sorts of business uh, that I could kind of go down the routes of sorcerers, demon mm-hmm. princes. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I would quite easily be able to kind of cobble together a fairly substantial army for that one. Marauders, even as well, I think. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I've got I've got a number of routes I could go down here, and it's just a case of which one takes my fancy. I think ultimately. It's awesome that we've got the passion for it and for our audience we've laid out a bit of a, a taste of what's to come um, in future episodes when we're revolving around the old world and I just thought now Phil if you want to sort of take that step back away from the old world and talk about what your sort of hopes and aspirations are for the maybe for the coming month or for some of the other episodes that we're going to be doing this year, is that something that you feel happy to Happy to do it this juncture. Yeah, totally. Um, as far as the next month goes, in terms of hobby stuff, um, 
Like I, I would like to think I would have had a game of Old World by the time we record next. Although we are quite late in the month, uh, so I, I might not have. I'll certainly have had a better chance to read all the uh, the books and stuff. Um, painted wise, I will be pretty much conquers deep in the um, uh, commission I've got. I, I doubt I'll get much chance to do any of my own stuff. Um, uh, in the next in the next month, um, at all, uh, I might get the odd thing at a weekend here or there, but um, I might need to just focus on it on like a single model here and there, um, just to add points to things, uh, army wise. But um, tournaments wise, I don't have any Blood Bowl tournaments in February. I think the next one coming up is Mulligan's Open in March. Uh, we're both going to that, aren't we? we? Are. Yeah, yeah, you're deaf. You're going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm on for it. Um. Um. So yeah, I think I think that's kind of it as, as far as going forward in the into the, the the year for the podcast. You know, like we've still got um a few things to talk about on on the Blood Bowl side. We're not going to stop talking about Blood Bowl. Both Al and I play plenty of that, so you'll hear. Um, like chat about tournaments. Although I did notice, uh, uh, some somebody who shall be who shall remain nameless on the internet, uh, uh was whining about, uh, not whining. They were they were stating that one of the reasons that they don't listen to a lot of podcasts is because when people do tournament uh and uh rundowns, all they do is sort of talk about like the dice and, and the games, they don't really talk about much else outside of that. Um, and I kind of sit there thinking, well, okay, I, I get that, you know, like dice are, are subjective and in terms of how badly they impacted you and how they, uh, and, and how good they were for somebody else. But also like, it's good to, I think it's good to have a chat about these things and our experiences and the hope that it might pique somebody's interest in going to a particular tournament. Um, so a little bit of soft advertising for people. Um, tactically, you know, it's difficult to talk tactics on a podcast. Uh, you know, you you don't need to show people a lot of things, as opposed to uh, just talk about it. But I mean, we're at a stage with most of the teams now where we can probably start thinking about maybe a few tactic-focused episodes based around uh, Blood Bowl races. You know, there's things that we could do like that. And if people are genuinely interested in stuff like that, then yeah, we can uh, we can have a, a look and come up with stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I I can see us kind of doing if if we get another of the old uh, team of legend releases, we'll definitely go over that. Or if we yeah. randomly get one of the the uh, like a new team, we would go over that as well. And there's still the there's still four teams, I think, from 2016 that we covered that we need to recap on. So oh, yeah. We can dip back into that. So I think the likes of uh, Skaven, Dark Elves, and a few others we did in 2016 yep. rules uh, and haven't touched on the 2020 rules with them. And if we would do the, the team compositions differently uh was a was something that we we need to look back at as well so th- there's still plenty of blood bowl chat 
happening. Um, and I'm sure from your side, uh, there'll be plenty of bolt action chat as well. Yes. I mean, bolt action wise, I am part of a team that are trying to deliver a campaign weekend called D Day Replayed. Um, it's the 80th anniversary of the D Day landings this year. So, myself and um, a team are trying to, are pouring out a huge amount of effort into a campaign day, which is very different from a tournament. You know, there's there's not going to be a winner or loser. Um, there will be prizes and awards given out, but it's a themed weekend of wargaming uh, revolving around the the military action of, of, of what D Day was. So, I know from the war the from the bolt action community that you know there's there's this split between historical gamers and competitive gamers, and you know there's always been this call out for a you know a campaign weekend, a weekend of fun gaming, and that of narrative gaming that's not you know tool up your armies to to win games and win a trophy. So I really hope that these people in our community that are haven't just been talking the talk that they're actually willing to come along and invest in what we're doing. Uh, and so far, twelve tickets have been sold out of forty, um, and we're still, yeah, we're still, you know, five six months out from the event. So it's been well received so far. Um, but that is D Day replayed, so you can search for it on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find the various events and um, support pages there. Uh, I've got my own big wargaming weekend, the Megatron Cup weekend. So. The Megatron 3000 Bolt Action event and the Megatron Mega Bowl Blood Bowl event. Uh, they're both enormous passion projects of mine that I run in August um, in Scotland and Stirling at Common Ground Games. So there's there's huge amounts of events stuff to talk about and everything that you've spoken about as well. Um, so no, it's, it's going to be a really busy year. I cannot wait. I yeah. cannot wait to roll some dice and get get back in front of people and. For me, that starts in February with a bolt action doubles event, which is an awesome way to start the year. You know, doubles event. It'll be it'll be a competitive edge to it, but it's friendly. It doesn't. There's no championship points or anything. It's just playing with one of your pals against you know a team of two who you may or may not know who who knows, um, and just blow the cobwebs off roll some dice, and then at the end of the day, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, yeah, cannot cannot wait for that. And then I've got a tournament in what we've got, as you said, Mulligan's Open in March. I've got a bowl bowl action tournament in March. Then in April, we've got the Scottish Teams event for Blood Bowl. And I've got a two-day event up in Elgin for bowl action. Uh, That's April, May. Fuck so much. Fuck so much. Can't wait. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite a busy year in general for both yeah. of us. And you, audience, are along for the ride. Happy listening. Yes. So with that, yep. we should sign off. Yep. Absolutely. Goodbye. It's the end times of this podcast. Episode, this podcast episode. Episode, not not, not the actual end, uh, podcast mm-hmm. itself. Definitely end times of the episode, not, not okay. the podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>